Second Corinthians chapter two, verse 14 tonight. While you're finding your place there, just a reminder, two weeks from tonight, two weeks from tonight, April 30th, we will not be in the cafeteria. We will be meeting over in the auditorium on the other side of the school campus. So next week, we'll be here, but the following week, the 30th of April, we will be meeting over in the auditorium. The school has an activity in the cafeteria that Tuesday evening, and so I just want to remind everyone about that. Also, for those of you that are interested, from 6.30 until 7 o'clock that night, in the lobby over in the auditorium, there will be free pizza. Okay? So hopefully that'll get you out, if nothing will. I want to begin reading in 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14. I'm just going to read through the end of chapter 2. If we get into chapter 3 tonight, great. If not, I realize that throws some of you off from what I had told you we were going to cover, but we're just going to let God direct us tonight. So notice what Paul says. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And who makes known through us the fragrance that consists of the knowledge of him in every place. For we are a sweet aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To the latter an odor from death to death, but to the former fragrance from life to life. And who is adequate for these things? For we are not like so many others, hucksters, who peddle the word of God for profit. But we are speaking in Christ before God as persons of sincerity, as persons sent from God. As we start this section of 2 Corinthians, from here all the way through chapter 7, you could title this whole section, Ministry 101 or effective, or principles for an effective ministry. And obviously we know the Bible teaches us that we as followers of Jesus Christ need to be servants and ministers of Jesus Christ. But this section is not just about service and ministry, it's about life. These principles certainly can translate to us just living the Christian life. And it's just incredible to me that at this point in 2 Corinthians, that Paul starts out verse 14 about thanking God because he always leads us in a triumphal procession in Christ. After, he's already told us in chapter 1 that while he and his co-workers were in Asia, they thought they were going to die, and they were at a total loss as to what to do, and only God's sort of supernatural deliverance spared them from death. Then he goes on and tells them, and you realize, Corinthians, that there are those false teachers out there and, and people who are jealous of the way God is working in and through me who are trying to tear down my ministry, and they're causing me a lot of pain, and I'm going through a lot of, you know, uh, character assassination and criticism and all of that. And then he goes on in chapter 2 to tell the Corinthians, and because of their influence, now you and I are at odds. You know, you, some of you are starting to doubt me, and so our relationship is sort of on unsteady ground. We're, we're on the rocks. 
And then, oh, by the way, then last week he ends by telling us that when he went to Troas, he had no rest in his spirit because he couldn't find Titus there. And now all of a sudden he says, but God always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. What's that about? Because the reality is that Paul's life up to this point and what he's sharing is that serving the Lord and ministering for the Lord has been awful challenging, filled with suffering, filled with pain, uh, so much going on, nothing necessarily just falling into place, and it's been struggle after struggle, and yet Paul sees his life as literally following in the footsteps of Jesus Christ in triumph and victory. What is it about that? Well, before we actually get into that, I want to just take a step back and get a running start tonight into this passage. I want you to take what I'm about to say tonight, and I'd like you to think about it for a couple of weeks. I think one of the challenges for us as Christians, and even as churches, is that we say we want to experience God. We want to know you, God, and we want to walk with you, and we want to experience you. And yet, we are saying that, and we are inviting this God of the Bible to that. And he's a God that the Bible teaches us we cannot contain, nor can we control. And yet, here's where the rub is. As Christians and as churches, we want to experience a God that we can't control or contain, and yet we many times seek to try to contain and control God. And we want God on our terms, not on His terms. And we struggle because, you know, we all have control issues. You know, there may be some of you out there that have more control issues than others. But every human being has control issues. And, and again, where the challenge comes in is, I can't truly experience the God of the Bible and not be willing to relinquish control over to Him. Because He will not be controlled. He will not be contained. He's going to come into your life and into the life of a church on his terms, not on ours. And so if we're not willing to open up and say, God, I relinquish control. I'm not going to try to contain you. I'm not going to try to control you. Then we will limit the experience that we have with God. I say all that because the reason why Paul could say that even though he was experiencing all these challenges and suffering and trials and pain and on and on and on, and yet still felt like his life was just following the Lord in a triumphal procession, was because he had learned that following Christ wasn't on his terms. He wasn't trying to control or contain God. It was on God's terms. And if God was using him 
and magnifying himself through all that Paul was going through, then Paul could look at his life and all that he was going through from a totally different perspective. And he could see it as victory. He could see it as triumph and not as defeat or as circumstances that would bring discouragement. You see, what Paul is teaching us here in verse 14 is that we as Christians do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. Jesus Christ has already won the victory. He disarmed all the powers and principalities when he rose from the dead and he died on the cross. And therefore, the victory is already won. We just need to walk in that victory that he has already supplied. And that's why Paul uses this this illustration, if you will, that would have been very familiar with the Corinthians of the Roman triumphal procession. When a general in the Roman army would have conquered a foe, They literally would bring those defeated foes back to Rome and they would have this great and grand parade through the streets of Rome. And obviously the general would be riding on a white horse and all of his other, you know, generals and soldiers around him. And behind him would be all the spoils of war and all those people who had been conquered. And it was a great triumphal procession. And they were caught up in it. And everyone knew what Paul was talking about. And Paul's trying to get us to see that when we allow Jesus to lead us, because that's a key word here, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. And notice the word always is important. See, Jesus Christ is not a loser. Jesus Christ is a winner. Nothing defeats Jesus Christ. Nothing is stronger than Christ. Nothing comes against Christ in which he cannot overcome. Jesus even said in John 16, 33, In the world you will have tribulation and suffering, but be of good cheer. I have what? I have overcome the world. So if you and I are relinquishing control of our life to Jesus, and we are allowing him to truly lead us, and we're not trying to control or contain him, then everything that he takes us through as we follow him, we can look at as victory and triumph and as just overcoming and becoming more like Jesus, regardless of what we go through. And that's where Paul was. And that's what Paul's trying to get the Corinthians to see. That, yeah, I've told you about all the things that we've been through, And many people would go, wow, Paul, I feel so sorry for you. Look at all the suffering that you've had to endure for being a servant of Jesus Christ. And he looks at it as, I'm suffering. Yeah, I'm not minimizing what I'm going through, but God is leading me in triumph. He's he's using these things in my life that that I'm going through, and he's using these things to touch other people's lives. And, And he is spreading his knowledge everywhere through all of us who are willing to relinquish control of our lives to him and allow him to lead us. What a great principle for living. What a great principle for ministry and service. Because when you jump in and dive in to serve and minister for the Lord, 
It's not always going to be a piece of cake. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be many struggles and challenges and obstacles and opposition and criticism and all of that. But we can look at it if we're following Jesus Christ and we're allowing Him to lead and we're relinquishing control. We're not trying to control or contain God. We can look at it as triumph. So the reason why I want you to think about what I've just said is for this reason. Do you need to honestly say, God, I've tried to experience you, but I've tried to experience you on my terms? I've somehow been (laughs) deceived into thinking that I, I can experience you but I can also control you and I can contain you. And I'm realizing through the Bible and through the ministry of your Holy Spirit, you can't be contained. And Solomon even said after he built the temple for God, even he recognized the wisest person who ever lived. He said, God, I realize even the heavens can't contain you, much less this temple that I've built. You see, that's the kind of attitude that Christians need to have with God. It's not coming to God and seeking Him and living with Him and walking with Him in our own terms. It's allowing Him control. And and again, here's where the rub is. Because either we're going to seek to be in control of our lives or the life of this church, and we're going to get very frustrated, even though we seek to do that, because we know that we're not in control, really. (laughs) That there's much about life that we have no control over. And so people who just seek to try to control what they can't control really do get pretty frustrated throughout life. And yet, part of the challenge even for Christians is, yet we don't trust God enough or we haven't come to a place in life where we trust God enough to be able to relinquish control to Him either. And yet, one of the if not the greatest message of the Bible is, you can trust me. You can put your life in my hands and I will take you through whatever, but you've got to learn to trust me and let go and, and turn control over to me. I can be trusted. And that's what Paul had learned to do. That's why I told you I didn't know how far we were going to get because, man, I can't get past verse 14, right? (laughs) So notice, Paul says, But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ. So, guess what? More. (laughs) We're not leaving this yet. So added to all of this is this. I can't experience victory with Christ until I allow him to triumph over me. I can't win with Christ until he defeats self. See? That's part of what Paul's saying here too. See, in order to truly experience victory and triumph and overcome. Remember at the end of the message last week, I said if you come back this week, I'll tell you how you can get unstuck if you feel like you're, you're stuck and you just keep on sort of in a cycle in life. Here's how. 
by just relinquishing control once and for all over to God and allowing God to triumph over you. Because the only way Jesus will lead us in triumphal procession with him is when self has been defeated. That's why Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you've got to be willing to deny self, take up your cross daily, and follow me. Because the choice is either going to be, I'm going to relinquish control to Jesus, and I'm going to let him lead my life and run my life, or I'm going to keep control, and I'm going to do what I want to do, and I'm going to be in the driver's seat. It's going to be one or the other. And the only way to live in triumphal procession in Christ is to allow Jesus Christ to defeat self and overcome self and triumph over self. Then and only then can we follow Jesus as we need to. That's why, again, one of the great messages in the Bible is all those who were greatly used by God were broken. God had to break people before he could greatly use them. Think about it. Think about all the servants of God in the Bible. All that they had to go through in order to be in a place where they finally said, okay, God, I'm going to do it your way from here on out instead of my way. And Paul was no different. Paul had a pretty shocking experience on the road to Damascus. And Paul finally realized, wow, I've been doing this all wrong. And he surrendered to the Lord Jesus Christ and basically said, here am I. Whatever, Lord. Same thing Isaiah said when he saw the Lord high and lifted up. Here I am, Lord. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm in the midst of a people of unclean lips. But here I am, Lord. Send me. Whatever. I relinquish control. I'm not going to try to contain you. I'm not going to seek you on my terms. It's going to be about you, Lord, not not me. Let's just stop there and go home, right? That's a lot to digest right there, right? Yeah, tell me about it. God's been dealing with me about this phrase in verse 14 for months now. Trying to make it come alive in my own life. But let's move on. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and who makes known through us the fragrance that consists of the knowledge of him in every place. God wants to make himself known to others through us. And we give off literally a fragrance. But notice that fragrance is something very specific, Paul says. It consists of the knowledge of Him. The knowledge of Him. And this word knowledge in the Greek language is the word that talks about a growing, deeper, and more accurate knowledge. So don't miss what Paul's saying and challenging the Corinthians with as well as us. I can't make known to others what I'm not experiencing myself. 
That's why this is all also predicated on, I've got to be willing to grow and get into the Word and, and be able to start having a growing, deeper, and more accurate knowledge of God myself. Because how can I share with others a growing, deeper, more accurate knowledge of God if I don't have that knowledge? But if God's growing me, if I'm beginning to understand God in a deeper, more accurate way, then God can begin to use my life to make Himself known through me, which is what He wants to do. And notice, He wants to do this at the end of verse 14 in every place. In other words, everywhere you go, Every person you come in contact with is going to smell you. You're going to give off an odor. (laughs) That's what Paul said. In other words, be encouraged by this Christian. It's not even always about what you say. In other words, don't miss what Paul's saying. A fragrance is something that actually smells is actually something that sticks with you longer than anything else does. Did you, did you know that? More than taste, more than anything. When you smell something, that sticks with you longer than anything. And Paul is saying here, move away what you say or don't say. He's saying that by the very way we carry ourselves, we give off a fragrance. It goes back to what Paul said to the Thessalonians from Sunday's message about why it's so important that Christians keep a calm composure even in the midst of a world that is very unstable. Because we, whether we realize it or not, we are giving off a scent. We know this to be true with animals. Animals know when you and I fear them Even if we're trying to go, I'm not afraid, I'm not afraid. They know. I love dogs. Dogs know who dog people are. They can sniff out dog people. You like dogs, don't you? (laughs) And sometimes they do that with people who don't like dogs just to irritate you. But they know. They know. You give off a scent. Hey, horses, same thing. I mean, animals, they just... They have that, and people do too. Everywhere you and I go, we are giving off a fragrance just by the way we carry ourselves, even before we say anything. And Paul is challenging all of us to a growing, deeper, more accurate knowledge of God so that everywhere we go and every person we come in contact with, they will begin to sense the scent that we are giving off. And hopefully that scent is going to be something that draws them, not most of all to us, but to the God that we know and the knowledge of Him that we possess. That they see a difference in the way we live our lives and they are drawn to it as a sweet-smelling fragrance. So notice something else very important here, folks, in verse 14. A growing, deeper, more accurate knowledge that you and I gain through Bible study and spending time in the Word and all of that is never to stay with us. 
It is always to be shared with others. Everything that you and I take in, everything that we're learning, every way that we are growing is not to stay with us. God never wants any believer to be a spiritual sponge that takes in knowledge, 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 and just fills up and gets fatter, 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 and fatter, and never lets it out to anyone else. God wants us to be a conduit. God wants us to be a channel. God wants us to be an instrument to where He can make Himself known to others through us. That's the primary goal of ministry. I don't care what ministry you're talking about. God wants us in everything we do and everywhere we go to somehow make Him known to others. And not just any knowledge, but a deeper, accurate knowledge. Because there's a lot of inaccuracies out there about our God. There's a lot of lies out there about God. And Satan is certainly the father of lies, but he's not the only one lying about God and spreading untruth. There's a lot of ministers and churches and people in the, the name of God who are spreading things that aren't biblically accurate about God. And that's why God needs us as his followers to make sure that the knowledge that we are gaining is not only deeper, but it's accurate that we are sharing with others. Or else, just like Jesus said, then the blind just leads the blind into the ditch. God wants us to live in such a way where if people begin to, in a sense, follow us, they follow us right to the cross and right to Jesus Christ and become a follower of His. So notice, Paul says, For we are a sweet aroma, an agreeable, pleasant fragrance of Christ to God. See, God looks at our lives and wants to look at our lives as, as, a, as a, an offering and, and this goes again with the Roman triumphal procession. When they would have these great Roman triumphal processions, they would burn incense and things to draw even more people to the parade, if you will. It would literally, the fragrance would sift through the entire city of Rome. And you couldn't live in ancient Rome without smelling the incense from the Roman triumphal procession. Everyone knew what was happening when they smelled those smells. And Paul is saying, when you live your life letting Jesus Christ lead you and growing in His knowledge so that you can share it with others, man, it smells good to God. Your life just smells good to God. Think about that. We are a sweet aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. Don't worry about how others react to you. That's not our, but we are simply to live our lives being a sweet aroma and fragrance to God. By the way, those who are perishing are those who are willfully perishing. If they're perishing and they, nothing changes and they don't come to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior and have a personal relationship with Him, then yes, the Bible says they will perish. They will suffer ultimate loss and ruin. They will experience an eternity apart from the presence of God which makes all existence worthwhile. 
We've been talking about that on Sunday. But then notice in verse 16, to the latter, an odor from death to death, but to the former, a fragrance from life to life. Here's what we need to remember as believers. Our lives give off a fragrance to everyone around us. Our life gives off a fragrance everywhere around us. What is our life giving off to people? Can they see Jesus in us? One of the challenges one of my mentors gave me probably 35, 40 years ago now was, Jeff, your life may be the only Bible some people will ever read. That's what Paul's trying to say. That they may never actually crack the Bible, at least or up to this point in their life. But the way they observe you living your life, that could be their Bible. That could be the truth. That could be that greater, growing, more deeper, accurate knowledge of God that they need in order to be drawn to God. And it can come from you. I just want to stop for a minute. No wonder Paul started this passage by saying, thanks be to God. I mean, think about the fact that God gives us the privilege of living a life to make Him known to others. Think about that. That There's a lot of trust in there. Has God gotten burned? Absolutely. But God wants us to trust Him because He wants to put trust in us to be able to be His ambassadors. Paul said to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Paul is also saying here. Notice in verse 17, or excuse me, at the end of verse 16, he says, and who is adequate for these things? The word adequate means sufficient, enough, fit, or to have arrived. In other words, Paul says, what, what privilege, but what awesome responsibility that God wants to use my life to make Him known to other people? Paul's like, wow, that's heavy. Who's sufficient for that? When we begin to look at ourselves and go, wow, well, I'm going to jump ahead because we're going to get to this in the coming weeks, but I want to just give you this tonight to sort of ease you if you haven't seen this yet. Look at verse 4 of chapter 3. We have such confidence in God through Christ. Not that we are adequate, sufficient, enough, fit, or have arrived in ourselves to consider anything as if it were coming from ourselves, but don't miss this, our adequacy, our sufficiency, our ability, our competency is from God. Who makes us, he goes on to say, adequate to be his servants. See, we never have to be adequate. God knows we're not adequate. But God can make us adequate. If he's calling you to something, then he will empower you and equip you for it. 
And that's why Paul could do the things that he did. Not because Paul said, I was so great. Because I did this on my own, in my own resources, at my own wits and wisdom. I did it simply because I was following Christ in his triumphal procession. And my life was like a trophy of Christ. It showed people how Jesus Christ could subdue anything and could save and deliver anyone. Because my life was a living testimony of how God could subdue a life and deliver a life like mine. So everywhere I went through the Greco-Roman world, as Paul, the apostle of Jesus Christ, I was a trophy of the power of Jesus Christ and what God could do in a life. And it had nothing to do with trying to dredge up something within myself It was learning to humble myself and simply be an obedient follower of Jesus Christ. He's the one that made me adequate, Paul said. So back to chapter 2, verse 17, and we'll close with this tonight. Paul says, we are not like so many others. Those who had criticized Paul to the Corinthians. Those who had tried to undermine Paul's ministry and apostleship by slandering his character and criticizing him and questioning everything he did, Paul called him out. He said, we are not like so many others, hucksters who peddle the word of God for profit. Literally, he says, there are many out there just like today who are in ministry for money and money only to pad their own pockets. By the way, this word pedal is an interesting word. It was actually a word that was used in the wine industry in Paul's day. You go, hmm, interesting. It was used for winemakers who watered down their wine in order to make a greater profit and stretch their wine. Paul says, we don't water down the word of God. And we're not like others who are in it just for themselves and for money. In fact, he says, we are speaking in Christ before God as persons of sincerity. You can bank and count on what we say. Because we're sincere, we're genuine, we're transparent, and we're speaking the truth. As persons, don't miss this, sent from God. Folks, Paul and his co-workers aren't the only people sent from God. Do you realize every one of you that knows Jesus Christ in this room tonight as your personal Savior, that every day, every day, you are sent from God? God wants to make His knowledge known to others through you. He wants to use you like Paul as a trophy of how he can empower and subdue and deliver. And he wants you just to follow him walking through your life and your workplace and your community and your school and your family. And he just wants them to observe how you carry yourself and how you allow him to lead you. How you have learned to relinquish control of your life over to Him. And how you don't seek to contain or control Him any longer. And 
Paul says, when that begins to happen, look out. So full circle. The reason why churches today, all over the world, and why many of us as Christians really aren't experiencing God at the level we could is because as churches and as individuals, we say to God, God, we want to experience you, but we want to do it on our terms. We want to seek to control you. We want to contain you and we want to put you in this box over here. And if you begin to work in a way outside that box or you begin to take over and we can no longer control you, then we're just going to shut it down. Because even though we say we want to truly experience you, God, if we're honest, we still have reservations. We're still afraid of letting go. We still haven't come to a place where we really trust you to take over and do whatever you want to do. And it may not fit into our box. And we may not be able to even control it. You know when that did happen in history at least once? Read the book of Acts. Because those early believers in the early church basically were at the place where, God, we're certainly not going to tell you what to do. You take over. We're not going to control you. We're not going to contain you. No wonder thousands of people came to know the Lord. And why the church had an impact that it did. Somewhere throughout history, the church and, and Christians have lost that. And we've lost that because we're seeking to control and contain a God that cannot be controlled and contained. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you will not allow yourself to be controlled by mere human beings. You will not allow yourself to be contained by anything or anyone in this universe. You are the God of glory. The God of majesty. And you are beyond anything and everything we could imagine. You are infinite. And so God, help us as we grow in a deeper more accurate knowledge of you. Come to that place where we relinquish more and more control over to you from us. Where we no longer seek to contain you and where we truly want to experience you the way you desire to be experienced, not the way we desire to experience you. Encourage us, God. Challenge us, God. Help us to rise up and allow you to lead us in victory and triumph. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks,